Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. And for today's podcast, we're going to be discussing investing in early stage healthcare and life sciences. And to do that, we're kindly joined by a partner at Deep Bridge Capital, Andrew Aldridge. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be getting into the, the investments that you're looking at at Deep Bridge within the life sciences and healthcare uh, sector and talking a little bit about your, your funds, your EIS funds. But before we do that, Andrew, would you be able to give us a background, first of all, to yourself and also Deep Bridge? Absolutely, yes. So uh, Deep Bridge um, is, uh, was founded back in 2010. Um, we uh, launched our first uh, fund um, at the beginning of 2014 um, and that uh, we invest in early stage technology, life sciences and renewable energy projects. Um, obviously, life science is the focus of, of this conversation today. Um, we utilise the enterprise investment scheme uh, to fund the early stage uh, tech and life sciences companies. Uh, we've got just over £200 million of capital that we've deployed to date into those early stage companies. Uh, about just over £50 million of that is into, uh, is into uh, life sciences and health tech companies. So that's kind of a little bit of background of, of where we are. Fantastic. So you, roughly 25% of the assets you have are deployed into healthcare and, and life sciences. I mean, just to start off, let's sort of look at the bigger picture here. I mean, how has that, that developed over the last few years in terms of uh, the capital allocation into uh, healthcare and life sciences? And, and what products have you, in terms of your funds, have you been bringing out to, to deal with this demand? Absolutely. So, yeah, we uh, we launched um, the like, Deep Bridge Life Sciences EIS uh, in January 2017. So uh, it's just over four years old. Um, and that was really uh, the focus. We, um, my colleague uh, Dr. Savas Nirfitu, uh, joined us in 2016 uh, with the uh, with the aim of really kind of developing the life sciences side of the business. We'd we'd kind of done the odd kind of med tech business uh, with through our tech portfolio, uh, and it was really to drive that forward. As we saw, there was uh, an increasing trend. There was a lot of interesting things going on in the UK uh, around the uh, the medical technologies, life sciences, pharma, uh, biotech, etc. Um, so Sav joined us to really kind of push that on so like i said we, we launched the life science eis in 2017 um and we've really seen um i think probably over the last two years really seen kind of appetite and interest from investors grow into that sector um i think certainly last year with uh, with the pandemic etc uh, for various uh, fairly obvious reasons i guess um life sciences and uh, and and that kind of whole industry has probably been more prevalent and more kind of exposed than, than ever before so uh, that has led to uh, an increase in, in interest from investors so you said there over the last year and of course that does uh, coincide with with the pandemic i mean when investors are looking at life sciences and and obviously healthcare are you finding there's any sort of particular trend, any companies that you're including in your portfolio, which is really grabbing investors' interest at the moment? And going back to the pandemic there, I mean, was there any investments that you were making due to the pandemic and, and obviously investing in that sort of area, so looking at the pandemic, given that you're sort of a longer term investor? Or did you say, well, OK, this may be something that's a bit, you know, a flash in the pan and the pandemic's not going to be here forever and it may not suit our longer term investment style? 
Yeah, I think what what we don't do is, as you quite rightly said, we don't make knee jerk decisions and we don't kind of look at short term uh, opportunities. It is very much about long term investments. I mean, very the very nature of what we invest in. Um, yeah, they are long term investments. Yeah, we would expect investors to be in probably five, six, maybe seven years or so. They'll be invested before they start to see exits and returns. So that this is very much patient capital. It's about long term capital support companies on their growth journey. Um, so from that aspect, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily about kind of taking a short term punt and anything related, related to the pandemic. However, there are trends that have come about due to the pandemic. Um, and, you know, as we've seen kind of internationally, as, as well as in the UK, you know, pressures, pressures on the healthcare systems, etc., has uh, has led to uh, certain trends. For example, uh, there's been, you know, there is a growing trend of uh, technologies, etc., to aid treatment outside of hospitals. So, for example, treatments that, and uh, technologies to be used at home for treatment so patients don't have to go into hospitals. So that is a trend that we've seen that has, uh, has really kind of grown over the last year as, uh, as a result of the pandemic and the pressures on healthcare systems. Um, we've also seen certain things where, obviously, you know, there's been probably never so much profile for for vaccinations, for treatments, uh, for um, kind of drug delivery systems, etc. Um, so all those kind of treatments, which again are being utilised to kind of, uh, you know, to uh, to treat COVID, to uh, to treat those kind of viral infections, etc. Again, that is a, a focus that we're seeing, and I think you know we, people are now uh, aware that we are going to be living with COVID for a long period of time to come. Um, so ultimately, there will be uh, you know certain some of our drug discovery companies have been working on COVID treatments, etc., uh, and maybe looking at those alongside. You know, let's say they're working on cancer treatments. Uh, there have been uh, kind of companies which have been. Uh, refocusing slightly to look at viral infections as well as uh, as more traditional diseases if you like because we do see that uh, COVID is going to be here for years to come. So I just want to drill down in some of the the types of companies that you're investing in. I mean a lot of the companies that you've been looking at in in the portfolio including in the portfolio are are these ones that may have been set up during the the, the pandemic and obviously looking at the the trends in the healthcare market and, and life sciences that have set up initially to, to target those? Or are these some companies that have been around for a while? And as you mentioned, they're transitioning towards uh, the, the the key trends that you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, a, most a majority of our companies are, um, we're talking about companies which have maybe ch- changed focus slightly to, to uh, see how they can work in, in the COVID world. Um, we are now starting to see a number of companies that are now coming to us for kind of first funding round, seed stage funding um, that we are currently looking at for potential uh, future kind of portfolios. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're very lucky in the UK that we've got a great infrastructure for startups. Um, so there are a lot of startups now coming to us looking for funding, which have been created during the, the world of COVID, if you like. Um but majority of the companies that we've been funding over the last 12, 18 months have been probably around a little bit longer than that and have been, uh, you know, we've been supporting some of the companies. We might be on our second, third funding round with them, et cetera. And it has been about them refocusing and, and, and looking at how they can uh, assist in the in the, the battle against COVID over the last 18 months or so. So, for example, we've got one company which uh, um, is uh, developing a novel uh, drug 
um, wrapper. So basically, uh, it was originally looking at, um, at cancers, so particularly the likes of bowel cancer, etc., and making um, you know those drugs much more efficient by delivering them to the area of the body where it needs to be uh, delivered. Now they then received uh, grant funding um, to actually look at how that could be utilised for uh, certain COVID treatments and how they can make those treatments more efficient. So uh, so. You know, taking advantage of those opportunities, um, you know, they've now seen that actually there is a market. It's not just about the cancer market. They are looking at viral infections and how they can treat those as well as a, as a long-term uh, addition to what they're doing. So it's those kind of companies where there, there are opportunities. And, and like I said, there has been grant funding for some of these COVID treatments and looking at things. So uh, so from their perspective, it's been a, a very worthwhile effort or, or exercise to, uh, to look at those opportunities and see how they can adjust what they're doing to to treat those markets as well as their original primary markets. Thank you. So when you're looking at these companies, Andrew, now when I speak to people that are looking, investing in private companies, they always say management is, is their key factor. So Absolutely. apart from management and the strength of the team, what is the most important factor that you're looking for when you're selecting companies to go into your portfolios? I think there's, there's there's two key things. Um, you know, you, you're quite right. Um, you know, alongside the team, the team is vitally important, and it's, it's vitally important that the team is their interests are aligned with ours as well. You know, ultimately, you know, like I said, we are looking for investors to be exiting within kind of five, maybe up to seven years. You know, what we don't want is we don't want founders who are looking to create a lifestyle business and, and have no desire to sell the business in, in, in that kind of time frame. So that, that kind of aligned interest is vitally important as well as the actual strength of the team itself. But I think beyond that, the, the two kind of things that are key considerations for us is um, one is the addressable market. So, you know, actually, is the market there for them to actually grow? Is it is it just, a, you know, it's not just a vanity project that actually they are treating, they are dealing or creating something which will actually make a difference and actually there is a scalable market there for them to to uh, to target so that addressable market is important and then the critical thing beyond that is the intellectual property ultimately that is the asset that our investors are investing in uh, that intellectual property is what uh, a potential acquirer will be acquiring so um, that is uh, increasingly important always uh, vitally important for us is to make sure that that IP is there and it's uh, it's well protected. I think beyond that, from a from a portfolio perspective as well, we do try and make sure that we've always got a blend of different types of companies. So what we wouldn't want is, you know, an investor coming to us and they're only being exposed to drug discovery companies, for example. What we try and do across the portfolio is we have a mixture of things like digital healthcare, we have medical technologies, we have diagnostic devices, we have biopharma, we have drug discovery, we have biotechnology, uh, we have wellness. Um, that's a big trend that we're seeing at the moment. You know, kind of uh, mental health and wellness kind of uh, uh, technologies, etc. So, so we always try and make sure that if a client is coming to us within a portfolio, they'll have a blend across different types of companies. Because uh, again, they will each have different timescales and exit profiles, etc. You know, for example, a digital healthcare company, we would expect it's not always the case, but we would expect a digital healthcare. A company to have a shorter time frame to exit than maybe a drug discovery company um, because uh, you know, drug discovery takes different rounds of research, development, etc. and can take time, whereas a digital healthcare, um, you know, as long as it's can prove it's got a market, then uh, you can grow, grow um, commercial traction quite quickly. So, so again, that, that comes into our thinking. You know, it is not necessarily that uh, we would invest in things just for diversification, but we do try and make sure that investors are exposed across a wide portfolio of things so they're not just... Um, investing it all in kind of one subsector. 
So, Andrew, can we speak now about some of the companies that you yes. that you hold in your your portfolio? So, I mean, f- first of all, um, you know, people like to know what what company have you uh, added to the portfolio recently, which excites you the, the the most? And then, you know, maybe some ones that you've had in there for uh, a little bit longer, which are making some really strong progress. Yeah, I think um, yeah, certainly for for companies which are kind of young in our portfolio, um, you know, for example. Um, a slightly left field, if you like, in terms of life sciences, inverted commas. Um, but when I explain kind of the, the, the reason why they're in there, I think it will make perfect sense. But as a company we've got called Levitex Foams. And Levitex um, have created um, uh, um, unique um, foam technology for mattresses and pillows. Um, so their initial target market uh, and their, their kind of primary route to, or market is healthcare. Um, obviously, if, if patients are in hospital, um, particularly if they are bed bound, um, then there's various different matters that can uh, can um, can affect them. So actually treating them properly and making sure they've got appropriate uh, mattresses, pillows, etc., to make sure that they are well supported, um, that can reduce the, uh, the likelihood of bed sores, things like that. Um, it's hugely important, and uh, you know their their evidence suggests that. Uh, they can um, decrease the length of time people are in hospital just by making sure they're on the right uh, mattresses and etc. Um, now, obviously, going into healthcare, um, it's a long buying process. Um, so they have been working with a number of, uh, of pilots, um, and that's been well received. Um, but in the meantime, they've also been working on the sports and um, side of, of, uh, of what they do. So they've been working with numerous sports um, clubs uh, and individuals um, to help them improve their performance by getting good sleep and uh, making sure their bodies are well supported. So uh, Levitex is a company that you know, we've been delighted with over the last uh, 12, 18 months. Uh, they've made some great strides and they're now selling commercially. Um, you can buy their mattresses and things online. Uh, they're in a number of uh, major retailers. Um, but the key thing for them will be the long term will be the healthcare market. So uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of a, a very interesting company we've got there. Um, I think in terms of uh, longer, um, longer held companies, I think um, yeah, we've uh, one of our companies which we've been, we, we, I think we're on our third funding round with now, is a cancer diagnostic company called Zillico. Um, so Zillico is looking at um, initially cervical cancer um, and the diagnostics for that. So, for example, a lot of uh, diagnostics for cancers traditionally have been done purely by a consultant in, in cervical cancer, a gynecologist, who will effectively look at the skin cells and from eyesight and experience only will make a judgment as to whether they think it's cancerous and then whether they need to go down the, uh, the colposcopy route. Um, and you know, Zillico is increasing the um, increasing the the efficiency of, of treating uh, of, of of diagnosing such cancers um, through their technological devices, uh, which is reducing margin for error uh, and making sure that people are being treated quicker. It's also meaning that uh, people are getting an accurate diagnosis quicker than if they're having to go through blood tests, which can take you know days, potentially weeks, um, to come back. So, um, so that's a, a company which has been around for a while um, and is developing well going very much in the right direction. Um, one other company that uh, is, again, in the med tech space um, is a company called Metix, uh, Metix Medical. Um, basically, they have created a, uh, um, a vital signs monitoring um, equipment, 
which can be utilized outside of hospitals. Um, so again, their target markets include paramedics, um, you know, air ambulances, etc. And what their device does, it means it can link into, uh, for example, the paramedic services, it can link into their computers, and it can link in directly into hospitals. So the not only can uh, the, the, the paramedic providers uh, prioritize patients, etc, make sure they go into the right hospitals by monitoring their vital signs remotely, but also the doctors can start to see uh, patients information before they even reach the hospital so they can make better decisions and make sure people are being treated effectively. One of the things I love about Metics was when we first met them, we funded them through our CDIS originally. Uh, and the first time I went to meet them and uh, and, and uh, looked at what they were doing, you know, their device was very much, um, as you'd expect at seed stage, was uh, little bits of tech dotted around the desk. And they were saying, right, this bit does this, this bit does this, etc. Uh, so to now see that company over the last uh, last four years or so go from, you know, having this great concept, um, great basic tech um they've now developed that through um, um through their development stage uh, they've now got you know various accreditations for uh, for it to be utilized and they're starting to roll it out with a number of healthcare providers not only in the uk but also in the states so to see a company go from that 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 great idea from that very early stage to actually now being uh, being utilized globally um is is, is great and uh, those kind of companies it's um, you know it really vindicates what we do you know in terms of the funding we provide to help these companies grow and, and to scale and do what they need to do um, so those are just three very very brief examples I mean beyond that we've got we've got drug discovery companies uh, we've got people uh, we've got uh, biotechnologies um, and again I think you know like I said um, previously you know we've got a lot of things now in the wellness space as well um, so uh, we've got a company called Minerva um, who are operating in the wellness space um, and it's about providing an online platform for people to find uh, the right kind of uh, uh, support that they need from from various places, um, and yeah, you know, that's uh, again a very much a growing trend. Um, people are moving towards a more digital and online world. Um, so, actually, I think what you're finding again because of COVID is is people are more happy to speak to a doctor online or speak to a consultant or a counsellor, etc. Doing it online rather than doing it face to face, etc. So we are seeing those kind of uh, those platforms like Minerva, which is allowing people to access therapists as and when they need online via video chat, etc. Um, so again, you know, that's potentially a trend that we've seen. COVID has supported companies like that in terms of changing people's behaviour and allowing them to uh, um, to actually change what they're doing and changing the way they work. And so what, what does it look like in terms of liquidity events for companies being held in the life sciences uh, EIS? I've seen very recently you had an exit in your renewable energy uh, yes. EIS. So, I mean, in terms of life sciences, have you had any exits yet? And, and is it a, a situation that uh, it may be slightly different to maybe sort of technology companies? I mean, is it going to be sort of buyouts of companies? Is it going to be IPOs? What does that sort of look like for your life sciences funds? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so yeah, the fund's been around for just over four years. Um, so we, we're probably um, we're probably about a year away from starting to see our first real exits coming through. We've got um, a number of our companies are currently in discussions with potential acquirers who have got a watching brief, etc. So um, yeah, we are. Yeah, it is. These investments, they are organic in the sense that, you know, when those exit opportunities come, it's, you know, it's not something that you can necessarily manufacture. You know, we obviously work with them to identify exit opportunities and make sure they're they're ready. Um, but, you know, it is about the timing of the market and what's going on. Having said that, in the UK, we've got a very active um, life sciences world. Um, there is a lot of M&A activity going on in the market. 
Um, and it depends really on, on what the business is and what they're doing. So, for example, you know, a drug discovery company um, may be R&D focused, you know, during the lifetime of their business, they may never make a single penny of commercial revenue, but they're building up research and development, which will be of great value to a big pharma company. Now, an organization like that would probably be a, a trade sale. It would be an acquisition by you know, your, your, your big blue chip pharma companies would look at those and, and buy them for the research they've developed. Um, you know, you're probably not going to see an IPO for, for those kind of businesses. It's, it's not kind of in the nature of, of, of what they do and what people would invest in. Um, but then on the other side of things, yeah, we've got, like I said, diagnostic tools, medical technologies, digital healthcare, et cetera, where an IPO could be their route to exit. Um, so it really is a, a kind of a, a cross-section of, uh, you know, of, of different opportunities and it's finding the right opportunity for the right company. So, yeah, it, it, it varies on a case-by-case basis. But again, the, the, the opportunities that we're working with our companies on at the moment are predominantly trade sales. Um, however, we've got a couple of companies where we probably think their IPO um, sorry, an IPO is probably their route to exit. Um, in those companies, you know, we're probably looking another two two years or so before they'll be in a position to do that. Um, but yeah, the ones we are looking at exits for at the moment are predominantly trade sales. Fantastic. Thank you very much. So just to finish things off here, Andrew, would you have to just give a little bit of background and, and just sort of run through your range of funds that you have uh, at DeepBridge and, and how people can go about finding more? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so yes, at DeepBridge, we operate two enterprise investment scheme funds. We have the DeepBridge Life Sciences EIS. Uh, we also have the DeepBridge Technology Growth EIS. Um, you know, I've, I've obviously discussed what the Life Sciences EIS invests in. And the, the Technology Growth EIS is uh, is very much purely on, on technologies. But again, for across a, a mixed range, you know, we've got everything from, from blockchain to uh, AI technologies through to uh, um, you know, battery efficiency technologies, etc. So a whole myriad of things in there. Uh, and then we also have the DeepBridge Estate Planning Service, which invests purely in renewable energy. Um, so we've got about £50 million worth of assets in renewable energy um, across the UK now, uh, and that's growing um, That's growing well. Um, that is predominantly for business relief purposes. So investors who are looking for inheritance tax purposes to uh, mitigate inheritance tax uh, can use the estate planning service um, and, and invest in business relief qualified assets um, in the renewable space. Um, people can find more information from um, our website, deepbridgecapital.com. Um, um, we always recommend that people take financial advice. So we do recommend people speak to their uh, their independent financial advisor and uh, get some advice on what they're doing, whether it be from a tax planning perspective or just uh, exposure to uh, private equity portfolios. Um, and uh, yeah, we're always happy to speak to people. Um, I hope that uh, it comes across that we're extremely passionate about what we do. So we do love speaking about our investments, our companies, etc. So, yeah, the best thing people can do is we pick up the phone, speak to us, and uh, we'd love to have a chat. Fantastic. Andrew, thank you very much. Thanks, Jonathan. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast, and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 